Hello and welcome to a special presentation of In The Money Media, brought to you by our friends at Adelphi Racing. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the little house on the east side, up here for this unseasonably warm weather. Saratoga looking beautiful, and a man I've had the pleasure of hanging out with many an afternoon at Saratoga joins us today from Adelphi Racing. He's Matt Kater. Matt, how are things? Good, man. I'm jealous. I love Saratoga in the fall, and uh, I happen to be in Erie, Pennsylvania today, so I would definitely trade places, but uh, <laughs> here for a good reason. We got a stakes race at Prescott, so I can't complain too much. That's very, very cool. And we'll touch quickly on that. I want to talk to you about this great experience you've given me, as I've said on these airwaves many times. It's been so fun to not just be a guy who reads ads for Adelphi Racing, but to be part of the team. And something that I have never experienced in my 20 or so years of owning horses, having two in on the same day, ironically, I will not be there because I'm sort of up here supervising some some uh, house renovations and uh, doing, doing a bunch of work. But it, it's just so exciting to have two of my Adelphi runners in on Thursday. I want to talk to you about those races. Uh, and just get a general update because you guys have been winning races left and right, as folks know, who've been uh, tuning in, listening to our Adelphi performances of the week and such. But before we get into the specifics of that, were you here in Saratoga for the for the sale last week? No, I didn't. I didn't come up this year. Um, you know, we we mostly focus on buying yearlings, two year olds, and then horses off the track. Um, you know, we've dabbled in weanling here or there, but. Uh, didn't didn't shop this year. Um, it looked like uh, a great time though. We had a, a bunch of partners that live up there that had a chance to get out to that Phasic Tipton, you know, sales uh, pavilion and had a good time. And looked like the weather was good and and people were drinking and have, having fun, <laughs> as one does at the horse sales. What give us the update on uh, you had uh, two winners in a day the other day. Yeah, I was going to say, so, So, you know, you not being able to make the races on Thursday isn't necessarily the end of the world because I definitely found the quickest way to win a race is to not be able to go. Um, so hopefully, hopefully <laughs> that's, that's so that, at least for me, that works out that way. Um, and I, I feel like you've had that with like Looms Boldly before too, right? You couldn't Absolutely. go once. And, and yeah, so so hopefully that, that continues. Uh, yeah. And, and we ran, uh, we ran three horses last week. Um, so same number of races, uh, same number of horses and we won two. So hopefully, uh, you know, look, I'll take one win on Thursday. Um, but if we could uh, repeat from a history perspective, that would be pretty sweet. Give us the rundown on the two winners, uh, from, from last week. Yeah. So last week, uh, we won the first race of the day, um, with a, a really promising, uh, two-year-old uh, New York bred maiden named Pandagate. Um, he's a horse actually we bought up at the Saratoga New York bred sale uh, last year. So uh, it took him a little over a year to get to the races. He's a big, uh, long-striding son of Arrogate um, out of a female family that trainer Christophe Clement's really familiar with. He trained the mother and has trained siblings. Um, and, you know, look, he came in in the spring uh, to Miguel Clement up in Saratoga, did everything right. Um, just had, you know, little two-year-old things, shins, stuff like that. Gave him a little bit of time, um, which is probably a blessing, you know, because he's he's built to be a, you know, two-turn, you know, three-year-old and up type of a horse anyway. And uh, he came back into training late summer at Belmont and uh, kind of never missed a beat. And um, we debuted him going a mile and he beat, you know, New York Bred Maiden Special Weight Competition by nine lengths. Um, it was, you know, the kind of debut that, that you kind of dream of, you know, so it, 
the interesting thing about a horse like this is I've had horses, you know, two-year-olds win debuts and I've had two-year-olds win debuts by a lot of lengths where you can get really excited. Um, the distinction here, I think with this horse is one, he did it at a mile, right? Um, and he looked like he could go a lot further than that. You know, two, the way he's built physically, he's meant to go longer and he's meant to get better as he gets older. Um, and his pedigree matches that, you know, the arrogate seemed to get better at three and, um, you know, on the female side of his family as well. So like, he just has all the ingredients of the type of horse that projects to be a better three-year-old than a two-year-old. So, you know, when you break your maiden by nine, um, you know, as a, a early fall two-year-old, um, and you have that behind you, it's pretty darn exciting. And that's a handicapping lesson too, I think, for people when you're looking at impressive maiden winners and what they're going to do next is being able to look into not just the tendencies of the sire, but looking specifically into the female family. And, and it's wonderful when you see those where you have that faith that they're, they're supposed to get better going longer. What will be next for this one? You know what? I, I don't know yet. Um, you know, there's a couple of New York bred stakes races that come up too quick for him. Um, you know, the first thing I think Christoph said once he crossed the, the wire was, you know, this is a horse that we need to be patient with, um, for all the reasons that we talked about before, you know, you don't want to, you know, rush a horse that, that looks like he should just get better as you go along, um, just because he, he, he won his debut. So, um, you know, we were hoping that they would write a first level allowance race, maybe in the next condition book at Aqueduct. They didn't do that. Um, so we'll have to, you know, just kind of wait and see there's, you know, potentially a main track only spot in a, a stake. Uh, coming up in mid-November that we could look at. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, I'm sure Christoph will come up with a plan. Um, you know, at this point, we're just happy he came out of the race in good order. You know, breeze back in a week or two, and you know, we'll kind of kind of take it from there. Um, and, and look, I think you're right on the handicapping piece too. A lot of times, you know, we think about that angle as it relates to like horses that maybe run third or second or fourth on debut, and you project that they're going to get better as they go along. You know, that, that same angle can kind of you know hold true for winners as well. Some of them are going to you know, kind of stagnate or go backwards and some of them are going to go forward. So if you can identify the ones that are going to go forward uh, or the ones that are going to go backward for that matter, you can definitely apply it to your handicapping and betting. Definitely. There's some that you just, you know, it's all about, you look at the female families and they're just all about precocity and then others where, you know, you'll see a a dam and they all get better second time out. And you you can make that bet with confidence that a horse like that is going to improve. For the Adelphi runners, you're you're so New York based. Do you do you have any horses you expect will be shipping to Florida, or is does pretty much the whole operation stay up north? No, yeah, we're we're gonna uh, ship a couple of turf horses down to Florida. Obviously, the New York bred turf horses will typically give a break too over the winter. You know, they'll get a couple months off and then you know come back into training in New York and try to be ready for those first you know turf races in New York. Doesn't make sense to blow conditions you know in New York um, down there. Uh, for some of those New York breads, but, you know, for the open company horses, um, that are turf, uh, you know, we will look to send them, you know, down there to run, um, you know, from time to time as well. We have a couple of babies that haven't debuted yet. Um, you know, a tonalist filly who, uh, you know, she's built like a tonalist. She's a big, you know, filly and, and she's, you know, looks like a three-year-old, not a two-year-old. And, you know, she should come into the Clemence at Payson, um, you know, when they get down there in the next, you know, few weeks and, uh, you know, we'll hope to make a debut with her down there. And then, um, we have a really exciting kittens joy cult. He's actually a, a full to Sadler's joy, um, a full to Faraday, the impressive, uh, maiden winner for Chad Brown or half to Faraday, I should say, uh, impressive maiden winner for Chad Brown at Saratoga this year. He came back to win a, a nice allowance at Kentucky Downs. He's a half to Wolfie's Dynagos. This is a, a dam that's produced a tremendous amount of, um, quality horses and stakes horses at that. 
and uh, we have the full uh, sibling to, to Sadler's joy um, that, you know, looks very much like the rest of his family. looks like he's going to go long on the turf and he's going to do it, you know, from three and up. Um, and so he's been, you know, kind of given a lot of time down in Florida. We didn't push him uh, to be a two-year-old and, and he's going to uh, ship into the Clements at Payson as well uh, as we get into, you know, the, the end of fall and hopefully he'll make a three-year-old debut somewhere down in Florida too. So a couple of, you know, the debuters, hopefully, and then, you know, one or two horses that are, you know, sort of turf open company types that we're going to ship down. I love that about the Adelphi program. It's certainly not one size fits all. And you have different, different trainers and different bases where you can um, put horses depending on what you think the best uh, long-term prognosis is. And, and that I think your Florida contingent reflects that. How about the other winner from last week before we start to look forward to some of these races? Which one was that? Yeah, we we had a nice uh, win in the uh, second level allowance condition in New York, going a mile and a quarter on the dirt uh, with Constitution Lawyer. Um, we bought him to him privately. Uh, you know, he ran in into some monsters up in Saratoga uh, in that condition. Um, he kind of came in off a foot issue and and ran into um, 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 what is it, Bright Future, the horse that won the uh, the Jockey Club Gold Cup won that race. So, you know, when you run in those allowance races at Saratoga, sometimes they're stakes races, um, yeah. you know, in quality. And, and he kind of ran into that spot and had you know, some foot issues going to the race and didn't run very well that day. But uh, he bounced back nicely last month uh, downstate uh, at the Big A, finishing second to a nice uh, Linda Rice horse who came back to run second in a stake uh, after that. And then uh, he was able to turn the tables on another Linda Rice horse, um, uh, this time out and, uh, you know, won the second level allowance by a couple lengths, uh, going a mile and a quarter. He's an exciting horse. Cause you know, there's a lot of races that'll come up in the winter here in New York going long on the dirt. Um, not many of them want to go a mile and a quarter or longer. And, you know, he's one that does. And, um, you know, we're hoping, you know, that maybe we can get a third level allowance race for him. Um, but then, you know, from there, you know, try some stakes this winter. Terrific. It's exciting times and good stuff happening. Let's get on to the runners from this weekend. Let's start with a quick word about uh, the one that brings you to uh, Erie, Pennsylvania today. Yeah, we have a, a filly by the name of Community Adjusted. She was another one we bought privately last year. Um, we won a first level allowance uh, race with her. Uh, and then, um, you know, kind of a good example of what you said in terms of having, you know, different trainers that we work with and different options for horses. Um, you know, at the end of this year's or last year's turf season, we talked to trainer Christophe Clement, who had had her for her entire uh, life up until that point. And uh, he made the suggestion that we send her to Arnaud Delacour, um, who was one of his old assistants um, from back in the day, who's been out on his own now for a long time. Um, and he thought, you know, she could benefit uh, from going to Arnaud for a couple of reasons. One, you know, she was a horse that typically had, um, you know, some feet that were bothering her and, you know, being able to train at Fair Hill where Arnaud is based, um, you know, offered up the option of, of training on a synthetic track, which is usually better for horses with, you know, feet problems like that. Um, and then, you know, she was just kind of, you know, a slight cut below in New York at that second level allowance condition. And so the thought was, you know, if we could get her, you know, to the mid Atlantic and run her at Laurel or Delaware or places like that, um, that, you know, she could maybe be more competitive and breakthrough, uh, in that condition. And, um, you know, what, what Christoph said, you know, kind of in the fall played out perfectly for us in the spring, we sent her to our node after a little bit of a break, um, you know, over the winter and, and she came back, she won the second level allowance, um, first off the bench for us, um, at Pimlico did it impressively. And then, 
Um, we tried a stakes race with her and got her stakes placed in the big Dreyfus at Laurel. She ran really well there. She uh, finished third to a couple of nice fillies, Sparkle Blue and Atomic Blonde, uh, who Christoph yeah. trained. Um, who actually, I think both of those horses, you know, just kind of looking at the race today here at uh, Presque Isle, the stake that she's in, I think both those horses would probably be favored in this spot. So, you know, the form of that race, I think, was pretty good. She finished third in there. And then, you know, she came back and um, disappointing effort last time. Um, I think if you go back and watch the replay, though, um, I'm not, I don't think we win the race, um, but I think we do have a chance to finish second or third in there. And, you know, unfortunately, we have to, we had a little bit of trouble going into the first turn and you know, we're a little bit further back than I think we expected. And, um, you know, just being blunt, I think we got Paco Lopez in there a little bit. Um, <laughs> he just it didn't didn't really ride the Philly. You know, look, go back. You know, if you're, if you're handicapped and playing the races today, go back, watch the replay on that. You know, he just doesn't really ride her. Uh, down the stretch at all. And, you know, so much so that, you know, I was worried after the race that she came out of it with some sort of physical issue. Um, but she came out perfect. Um, and obviously Paco had a similar thing that happened, uh, I guess, a couple months later and he got 30 day suspension for it. So maybe that's just a, a bit of a, um, uh, you know, a habit uh, for him. Um, but anyways, I think if you draw the line through that last race for her, you know, she's, she's certainly logical in here. She's 12 to one on the morning line. So I think you can get some value um, I will say, I do think that this race came up tougher um, than it did last year. You probably got to run an 85 buyer in here to win it. Last year, the winner got an 82. But if you do draw the line through the last race, if you look at our you know race two back that we talked about in the big Dreyfus, I think the form there holds up pretty good. Um, and you know the big question mark, but potential opportunity for us here uh, is the switch to synthetic. Um, you know, being at Fair Hill, as I mentioned before, she's been able to train on synthetic pretty consistently over the course of this season. And she's trained very, very well over it. Um, so much so actually that Arno toyed around with the idea of maybe even trying her on dirt at some point. Um, but we elected, you know, not to do that. We'll, we'll go and, and start with the synthetic race here. Um, but if she, if she runs in the afternoon to how she's trained on synthetic, there's potentially a, a move forward for her uh, in the race. You know, the question with that, I guess, always is, not just how they handle the synthetic, but how she'll handle the kickback, you know, being a turf horse. Um, and I do think that there's a good amount of speed in here. So I'm hoping, you know, she kind of breaks, saves some ground, um, you know, settles in a stalking position and and hopefully can make one run. Um, I, I think she has to improve to win, but if she runs, you know, kind of her career top race up until this point, she's certainly a, a, a big time contender to hit the board, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see her, see her go. Yeah, you know, the two things that I really like in this spot, one is the pace that you mentioned. I do think the race shape could be suited to her running one of her one of her better races, which I think could put her right there. But I will also just say, and I this is something I could look up numbers on, and one day I'll do this in a through a program like Racelands. But over the years I've just noticed Fair Hill horses doing particularly well at Presque Isle. And I think that in no, you know, over the I mean, back in the day. I remember uh, Sean Clancy and I talking it was specifically to, to give you an idea of how long ago it was. Jonathan Shepard was one of the horses we used to always mm-hmm. follow his shippers. Graham Motion always. And then uh, Trombetta was another one who, you know, would ship up there. And, and I think it's the combination often of, you know, maybe getting to take on local horses that don't have quite as much class as those that would end up at a Fair Hill training center. And then also the fact that you're dealing with the, the horses that are going to be that much more familiar with synthetic. So, I mean, if, if you could lock in this 12 to one of the morning line on community adjusted, I would be, uh, I would be betting here for sure. 
Yeah, and I, I think she's definitely very logical to hit the board. Um, you know, and, and, and to your point, I mean, there are a lot of horse, horses shipping in from Fairhill. I mean, you know, Mike Matz is shipping in, Graham Motion is shipping in. Um, you know, Brendan Wall ships in from Turfway, so another synthetic track that, you know, gets to train on and ship in from. So I think that's a worthy angle. You know, outside of community adjusted, I do think Mesador will be pretty tough in here. Um, you know, she's got races on paper that can win this race, you know, from a figures perspective. And, you know, she was two uh, for three on synthetics in Europe. So she's proven, you know, over a synthetic track. Um, so I think she's she's pretty legit in here. Um, I think via Reggio, I guess that's how you pronounce it, uh, on the outside for Brendan Walsh, I think on paper looks good. I, I'm not sure I, I love the post, so I'd probably lean more towards Mesador because of that. Um, and then I thought Butterbean at a price too, you know, maybe a small stab there. You know, she's obviously something went wrong, um, you know, last summer uh, when she was a three-year-old and she was off for a while and she hasn't come back to necessarily be the same horse. Um, so that's the, the the question mark or the issue here. But she has a couple races, you know, from her mid three year old season that could win this race, um, you know. And and she's out of a Johannesburg mare. Clint has had with limited starters, okay synthetic success. You know, maybe switching to you know a synthetic track, coming off of a little bit of a layoff here. You know, she, that one at a price maybe is somewhat interesting too, just because she does have some races that would win this. I think on her form. I can see it, though. I'm mostly attracted to the idea of trying to get both Mesador and Community Adjusted up into the number there and definitely going to be having a little something on the on Community Adjusted to, to hit the board in that spot. Definitely a competitive competitive race. 5.09 on Wednesday, the post time for that. Hopefully, plenty. I'm sure plenty of people will be listening before. Some will have just listened to analysis of a race that's already happened, and you can go back and see what happened if you're going to do that. I do want to pivot, obviously, and talk about this late double on Thursday. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there in spirit. And you might be right. You know, I've been lucky enough that I don't know for sure. I've probably been part of about 10 winners in my 20 years of ownership. I haven't had many horses, but I've only been in the winner's circle for one. So typically I'm not there. Maybe that'll be a good sign. But before we get to the specifics of the the, the late double at Belmont at the Big A for, for Thursday, I just want to talk a little bit more about the Adelphi experience. And I'll start with the sort of the greatest hits question that I'm sure you've been asked as many, if not more than any other. What makes the Adelphi experience different than uh, a lot of other ownership experiences that you know about? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, you know, there's a lot that goes into owning racehorses. So I'll just try to, you know, summarize it, you know, as best I can. I, I, I kind of, you know, put it down to two two things. I think one, you know, on the communication side and just, you know, the day-to-day experience of owning the horses. Um, I, I, I really, and I say this a lot, um, you know, I, I try to treat it like a partnership and not a syndicate or an investment. Um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, times you get involved with owning, you know, smaller percentages of racehorses, the experience can sometimes feel like you're an investor, you get a quarterly, you know, sort of accounting of everything that goes on with the partnership, you get, uh, you know, the opportunity to go to the race, and you get, you know, maybe an, an email every week or two, you know, with a, hey, your horse worked, here's what's going on. Um, and that's all fine and good. But, you know, when we started Adelphi, our goal uh, myself and and the two folks that I started the partnership with who had owned horses together um, for a while, our goal was to try to replicate our experience of owning horses together across a larger group. Um, and so, you know, I, I do try to treat it 
Um, and I try to treat everyone like a partner. You know, I text instead of email a lot of times, you know, call instead of email or text, um, you know, just just over communicate, um, you know, more than anything else. And, and um, you know, just just be, you know, be more accessible myself and try to have the other people that are involved in the process, which is just as important, if not more important than me, um, you know, being accessible too. you know, a lot of our partners have great relationships with our trainers, whether it's, you know, Ray Handel or Christopher Miguel Clement or Rob Falcone or Tom Morley, whoever it is. Um, you know, a, a ton of our partners know our bloodstock agent, Joe Migliori, really well. So we just try to make it more of a partnership experience instead yeah. of an investment, you know, and that, and that's, I think, really, really important on the experience side. And we have fun with it, you know, and, that, and that's that's kind of what, what you have to do, I think, to make horse racing ownership, you know, rewarding experience for people. And then, you know, on the buying side, you know, we, we do try to zig when other people zag a little bit, you know, we're we're cognizant of the fact that, you know, we don't have infinite resources to go out and spend, you know, half a million dollars or a million dollars to try to buy the next Kentucky Derby winner. Um, and if we, you know, tried to compete with those folks buying $150,000 horses, it would be really, really difficult. And so, you know, if we can find a nice New York bred filly, um, like Funny How, great. You know, if we can find you know, a potential long distance dirt horse like Pandagate, but buy him, you know, as originally at a New York bread sale instead of the select sale the week before at Saratoga for, you know, five times the price. Great. Um, you know, if we can buy horses like Community Adjusted privately for, you know, I think we paid 65000 for her, you know, that our allowance horses that have a chance if they develop like she did to become stake or stakes horses. Great. Like, you know, we're going to go out and try to buy those kinds of horses, try to make it as economically feasible as possible, you know, in the, you know, the scheme of horse racing, which is a tough game economically as it is. Um, but, but just try to try to give people a chance to compete at the highest level without, you know, going out and, you know, spending frivolously. The, the approach to business speaks for itself. And as far as the first point you were making, you called it the Adelphi racing club for a reason, right? I mean, that's the, that you're speaking to that idea of, like-minded people with with shared goals and and having a fun experience as opposed to trying to you know pitch it as a as a straight up hey we're we're going to get you x percentage of your money which is just not really the way that that horse racing ownership can work and th- that's been a lot of the fun for me and then to to that effect it also makes it easier and the level of communication i think makes it easier from a horse player point of view to learn from you and from the other members of the team and having that access is why I think, you know, even were I not a part of Adelphi, I would just recommend that, that approach so much is you're going to learn, you're going to learn so much about the, the, the inner workings of the game. And it's going to, I mean, I say with confidence, it'll make you a better horse player. If you're so inclined to, to uh, think of it that way. I mean, I would imagine that's something you've heard from a number of your partners over the years. Oh yeah, I mean a hundred percent. I mean, you look at the three races that were in it at Aqueduct on Thursday. I mean, two of them were in, um, you know, based on sort of ownership circumstances in terms of you know races coming off the turf over the last however many months, and you know the end of turf season coming up, and you know all that sort of stuff. You know, has uh, Splashy in the first race sprinting when we would probably normally, you know, be trying to run her a bit longer, and uh, Gotham Gray in the last race on dirt when you know she's been running on turf. Um, you know, 
being involved and understanding kind of why those decisions are made um, gives you, I think, a lot more context as it relates to like why horses are in specific spots. Um, and you can apply those, those learnings to, you know, whether you want to bet them or not in those circumstances when you have a better understanding of why they're there. Um, that's just, you know, sort of one example. But, um, you know, I think the ownership experience definitely helps inform the betting, uh, you know, a good amount, at least from yeah. my perspective. You, you can't help but learn valuable information being part of a team like this and having access to the type of brains and personalities you get when you're part of this team. Let's go to Thursday's race again. We will start off with that first race and uh, Splashy making her return to the races. What you, You've already sort of tipped your hand about why she's in this spot, but give us a little bit of history on her and let us know what you expect tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, look, her, her her season's been a little bit of a disaster. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of rain, obviously, in New York. Um, you know, since Saratoga, um, every Saturday like clockwork, <laughs> like clockwork. Um, except for ironically, it looks like it's going to be good this Saturday, where we're actually going to have an MTO entered. So go figure. Go figure. <laughs> but um, but That's uh, I'll, take, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take it though for the other ones to get to run. Um, but, you know, essentially with this filly, you know, she she ran uh, a very nice race back in early July when we put her on turf. And, um, you know, we're really excited about her after that, you know, because she had worked really well in the morning, just hadn't translated to the afternoon. And sometimes, you know, turf horses will work well on dirt. But then when the real running starts in the afternoon, they just kind of spin their wheels. And she kind of had proven to be that type. And so you know, when we put her on turf and she, you know, did well in that first race. Um, I thought it was a, a solid race. She finished second. Um, the horse that beat her came back to win the one X, uh, after that, and then came back to finish second in the New York by two X. So the form was, was flattered. Um, you know, we were really excited about her and, um, we got up to Saratoga and, you know, basically right before the first race, um, I think the race before that it started to rain. And then it was, it's like biblical rains when we were in the paddock. Um, and, uh, you know, we got her out onto the track, they ran the race. It was like a total bog. I think before they even crossed the finish line, they had canceled all the rest of turf racing that day. And, you know, she's a filly that needs firm turf. Um, you know, she's not a, a soft turf type of a type of a filly. And, um, so that was kind of just a wasted race. And then, you know, we tried to run her, uh, two more times after that. Um, both races came off the turf, so we had to scratch, you know, she's proven obviously to not run her race on dirt and didn't want to waste a race. And, uh, you know, her race came back again, you know, the, the mile, mile and a 16th, you know, version of this race. And, um, they ran it on dirt <laughs> this past weekend. And so we didn't go there. And so, you know, really our only option, uh, was to shorten her up and go six furlongs here. Um, you know, to, just to try to get a race for her before the end of the turf season. Um, I do think that she wants to go a bit longer. She's probably a seven furlong to one mile uh, type in here. Um, but on the positive side, you know, look, I think we are going to get a firmer turf course. It's been, it was windy last weekend after it stopped raining. It's been unseasonably warm. You know, as you talked about at the beginning of the podcast up in Saratoga, it's been that way downstate too. Um, so I'm hoping the track is is pretty firm. Um, and that should help her. And then look, I don't love being outside, um, especially at the shorter distance, but there does seem to not be a ton of speed in here. And so, you know, hoping that, you know, maybe there's a scenario where the Rudy Rodriguez horse breaks and goes and we can sit just off and she can kind of get that catbird trip. 
um, yeah. and have a chance to to run the, the Rudy down. Um, I do think she has some quality. She's she's trained a lot better than she's run. We've just you know kind of spun our wheels on dirt a little bit and then had a disaster of a summer and early fall because of weather and, and those circumstances. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully she can kind of put it all together here. My worry though would be if the if the turf course is softer than I'm anticipating. Um, and you know, the distance obviously being a little bit shorter than she wants, but hopefully the trip makes up for that. Normally the distance would be a major concern to me, but it is interesting looking at a pace map on Timeform US, you do project the trip that you're describing to potentially be right off of a shaman princess. So so maybe that can make up for it, especially if it stays nice and dry and maybe a little breezy today. That turf course will it will dry quickly, won't it? So I mean I we'll see what they're we'll see what they're calling it, but uh, I I definitely think Splashy goes with a chance to to start off the day tomorrow for Adelphi and the other partners. That's the horse I'm I'm, uh, I'm not in on, but of course I always, like we always root for our friends at 10 Strike, always root for the, the other Adelphi horses, whether in or not. But race number eight, very excited to see the return to the races of, of Gem Min 10. My first thought was, I, I wish there wasn't quite so much uh, speed uh, signed on, obviously, but very curious to get your assessment of Gem Min 10's chances. It's been a very fun ride with him, that big win back in April. And then, of course, the, the terrific race in Saratoga, where he, he did everything but win running second to Let's Go Big Blue. What, what's your assessment uh, of him in this spot? Yeah, look, I mean, I, we've talked about this. I mean, I think he's proven, you know, through how he works in the morning and then through some of the races that he's run that he's a quality horse. You know, you don't run, uh, you know, second to a horse that, you know, basically came back to win a stake, like let's go big blue. I know he was disqualified in there, but he finished first. Um, you know, if, if you're not a quality horse, um, and I think unfortunately, and we talked about this as well, you know, the human connections, um, you know, we kind of got him, got him beat last time. Um, you know, he's a talented three-year-old and, you know, after he had run that nice second at Saratoga, you know, you want to run one more time up in Saratoga at Saratoga. And, you know, so we ran him back, you know, it was kind of a, 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 a weird amount of time in between races, um, and, you know, trainer Ray Handel likes to work horses back three weeks out of their race. And, you know, if he did that, he'd be working him back, you know, backing up right onto the race. And so, you know, he decided not to work him, uh, going into that race because it was 24 days or whatever it was. And, you know, we lost some days of training because of rain. And so he didn't get to gallop him as much as he, you know, normally would. And, you know, we just came into that last race completely over the top. Um, you know, and he's a, he's a green, you know, more of a green type horse as it is. And, you know, just kind of lost himself in the paddock pre-race, um, lost himself in the post parade. And then, you know, when they were trying to load him, I think he actually kicked the starter. Um, so he was just kind of, you know, he, he, he ran his race before he, he got to run. And so, you know, he was up and on it and then just backed out of it. And, you know, I don't, uh, really hold that against them. I do think that this is kind of one of those, you know, draw a line through it type of a type of a spots because because of everything that went on before the race, you know, and how hot he got. Um, and I think if you draw a line through that, you know, and then you you say, okay, look, you know, he's getting really good spacing out of that race. Ray's been able to work him a few times. He's been working really well. Um, you know, he he should be pretty live in this spot. Um, I definitely think he's better than the ten to one morning line that he he has in here. Uh, at the same time, I share your concern as it relates to the pace. Um, you know, he drew the rail and there's a lot of speed. Um, you know, I don't want to see him 
you know, especially stretching out to a mile and an eighth for the first time, you know, going lightning quick on the lead. At the same time, he's not the kind of horse. He's a bigger, long striding horse. He's not the kind of horse that wants to be inside of horses. Um, you know, so I think we do need to kind of hopefully get a, a bit of a dream trip in here for him to run his A plus race. And that would be, you know, hopefully he breaks well, settles, you know, off the leaders, tucked in on the rails, saving ground. And then, you know, somehow Dylan can get him, you know, outside of horses on the backside, um, you know, and, and in the clear to make his run. You know, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. Um, but if he gets that kind of trip, I think he has a, a big chance uh, in this race. Um, if he has a little bit of a harder trip, hopefully, you know, he can kind of, uh, you know, kick on for a piece or something like that. I think the race itself, you know, came up pretty tough, too, for the condition. There's a lot of horses that have run good figures in here, um, you know, as well. So I, I don't, um, you know, th th this race for me is kind of a bit of the, the, the you know, I, I think he'll run a lot better. I'm worried about the trip. Uh, and then I, I don't know who I would, you know, take outside of him. But I think there are a, a few or several uh, horses that could win this race. So I think it's a, you know, a bit of a, a grab bag of a race, if that makes sense. It does, but I could see the trip you described happening, especially if the two and the three peel off and you can get that kind of solo third in and out. I mean, that doesn't sound crazy to me as I play this race in my, uh, over in my mind a few times. So that's, that's what we'll be rooting for and seeing. You, you seemed hesitant to mention a main danger of what if I held your feet to the fire about one you, uh, from a betting point of view, might at least be interested in, uh, if not betting on, at least having to, to come with Gem Mint 10. So it figures. So when I looked at all these races, there was one race I was like, I don't know that I have a pick, and that was this one. And of course, this is yeah. the one you're asking me for one. But I, I, I'll get my opinion on this race um, without giving you the horse that I like. I think this will be maybe not quite as valuable, but it should be valuable if I'm right. Um, I, I'm against the four clear conscience in here, and I think he's going to be over bet. He's four to one morning lines, first time gelding. Um, I think he'll take a good amount of money. I've seen you know a bunch of people touting that horse. Um, I would be against that horse on the win end. Um, so I, you know, I'd include us, I think at a price just given, I think you can draw a line through the last race. And I think the 10 to one's too, too high of a price for us. And I would, you know, eliminate the four from the win end and try to come what up do with you something. Not like about clear conscience. I just don't think he's fast enough. Um, and I'm not sure that he's working well enough to project that, you know, he's going to, you know, move forward. Um, right. That, that's, you know, that's kind of the gist of it for me. Gotcha. Oh, that makes sense. That's very valuable stuff. I, I am going to be backing Gem Mint 10, at least in a token way. We just have a couple of minutes left. I, we, I, I went on too long about some of the other stuff here, but obviously we have to talk about the other horse that I'm lucky enough to be involved with, Gotham Gray, who uh, has had some fits and starts along the way. What do you think about Dirt for this filly? She actually looks pretty interesting on the Timeform US Dope. Yeah, I mean, I, look, she's another one where, you know, we just ran in a turf race the other day. There's another one coming up November 9th. Um, but the way the weather's been this year, there's no guarantee it stays on turf. Um, and also, you know, when you've got a bunch of horses backed up to enter races, these races oversubscribe. And she just ran on the 6th of October. So there's no guarantee, you know, without preference that she's going to get into that race. Um, and so, you know, trainer Christoph Clement worked her out of the race on the 6th, on October 18th, he worked her a sharp three furlongs. You know, he said she worked about as sharp as she has, has up until this point on the dirt. 
And, uh, you know, this spot came up and he said, you know, let's give it a try. We can always come back on November 9th and try to get one more turf start into her um, if that race goes. But, you know, if we skip this, you know, we'll be waiting another you know month or so from here. And it's already, as you said, been a lot of stops and starts. So, look, Christoph's pretty patient in general. So I like the fact that, you know, he wanted to be a bit aggressive with her here. I think that's a good sign. Um, you know, look, I think the key she's another one. She drew the rail. The key is going to be the break for her. Um, you know, she could get the lead in here. Um, and if she does and she doesn't get pressed too much, um, I think she could be really interesting. I didn't think this race came up too, too tough. Um, the worry though, with a horse like this coming off of all dirt, all turf races, I should say, you know, breaking from the rail is if she just breaks a step slow, um, she could take a lot of dirt, real quick. And, you know, you just don't know how horses are going to react to that the first time. So, um, it's kind of a bit like Gem Mint 10, where I think, you know, having drawn the rail, you know, she, her race is going to be very, very trip dependent. Um, and I think for her to, to win this race, she's got to break, um, and she's got to, you know, make the lead and, and not get pressed too much, but that could happen in here. I mean, there doesn't appear to be a ton of other speed, um, you know, who knows what the, you know, the four sugar and spites is going to do coming off of a two plus year layoff. I mean, that horse showed speed on debut as a two year old, but it's literally been, you know, two years and a few months, um, since yeah. she's run. Um, so that's a big question mark, you know, in terms of what she's going to show in this race, just in general. Um, and outside of her, I didn't see a ton of other speed. So, um, I think we could get that trip for sure. Uh, you know, I, Outside of uh, our horse, um, I do think Good Morning Kiss is pretty logical in here, too. Um, so if I was betting it, um, I'd probably play us with the eight. Um, you know, Good Morning Kiss comes in off of an OK race last time, um, you know, where sh she faced a lot of pace pressure and, uh, you know, kind of faded a little bit, but not too bad up in class against Maiden Special Weights. And, you know, got to remember, too, that was a two year old figure. She's now a three-year-old, almost uh, a year older uh, from that spot. Um, I think she could move forward. So uh, I, I would play us probably in the eight together. Be interesting to see how both those Linda Rice horses you you talked about uh, end up uh, end up running in terms of running style off those layoffs. Who knows? Sometimes they get fresh, they go super fast. Sometimes they're completely different horses and they don't have the same pace profile at all. That might leave Gotham Gray uh, out there with a good break, certainly in the right hands with Arad Ortiz to get out of there and get a good positive ride. I can't wait. I'll be watching it all while we do some Breeders' Cup work uh, tomorrow. I'm sure we'll be texting as well, Matt. Really appreciate your time today. And we got to do more with uh, you and other members of the team. But very eager to get Ray Handel on the airwaves. Haven't heard back from him. I might have you uh, goose him for me and see if we can get him to uh, catch us up on what's been going on with him. But really appreciate you. And we wish you Godspeed in the four races we talked about. And uh, we'll be talking soon. So, sounds good. I'm always happy to nag Ray for you, Pete. No, no problem <laughs> on my end on that. And and I guess I know we're running up on it, but just real quick, because we do have two other horses running this week. I'd yeah, be remiss if, I did, if I didn't mention them. Um, and I actually uh, like both of them um, at potentially some prices. So uh, we have a debuter down at Laurel uh, tomorrow as well. So Thursday, I believe it's race three there. It's a mile on the turf. Um, it's a cult uh, or gelding now named Magistrate. Um, he's just kind of one of these big uh, just, just, he's a tapper. He's just a big, big boy. Uh, took him a long time to kind of grow into his body, but, uh, he's been working very, very well, 
uh, for Arnaud Delacour at Fair Hill. Um, and I think he's six to one on the morning line. And, um, you know, there's a couple other horses in there that are quality, but uh, this horse has worked well. Um, so I'm excited to see him run. Uh, one question mark with him is he's always been, you know, a bit green, at least as he was a younger horse, you know, he was green and, you know, you never know how those kinds are going to react to their first race. Um, but I like him uh, a good bit um, in general and I'm excited about him. So we'll see how he does on debut. Uh, and then a horse that I'm actually really interested in betting on Friday um, in the last race uh, is a Colt by the name of Better Lucky Than Good. Um, Great he debuted, he debuted, yeah, he debuted in the spring for us. Um, we had high hopes for him. Um, he was working very well for that debut. Um, they broke him out of the gate um, maybe 10 days or so before the race, and he came out of it a bit sore on the hind end. Um, we were able to get him to the race, but I think it probably compromised them a little bit, uh, in that spot. And, uh, we had to give him a little bit of time after that, let that heal up. And, um, you know, he's come back and he's trained very, very well. Hasn't had any of those issues pop back up. Um, he went up to Saratoga and, you know, Miguel Clement got to get him over the turf and, you know, got, has gotten really excited about him, you know, after seeing him, you know, on the turf a few times and, uh, we get him on the turf on Friday in the last race and, uh, I think he's got a, a big, big chance uh, in that spot, and there's there's a lot of lot of you know high profile connections in that race. So I would imagine you know we get a little bit of a price first time turf on him, and uh, you know he's he's one I'm definitely interested in in betting um, this weekend. Love that info, and you have a chance to play a double into, with some Friday stakes action with the Bold Ruler as the race before that. Better lucky than good, son of uh, looking at lucky. Uh, great, great name, as so many of the Adelphi horses are. Matt, I know you got places to go, people to see, so we'll leave it there. We'll have you on again soon. Just a reminder, the best way to get more information, AdelphiRacing.com. You can email Matt directly, Matt at AdelphiRacing.com. We'd love to have you become part of these uh, partnerships as well. Uh, any other info about ways people can get in touch or is mainly your email and, and the and the website the best ways? Yeah, e- email and website's the best way to get in touch. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter as well, so you can follow us there. Uh, DM us um, too, if that's your preferred way as well. At Adelphi Racing, I think, is the, the handle on at least one of those. will be easy enough to find for all of our friends at Adelphi Racing and In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital for Matt Kater. May you win all your photos.